Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. This week we have an awesome lineup, a guitar player's paradise, if you will. We have lead guitarist and original founding member of the Beach Boys, Mr. David Marks. We have lead guitarist of the likes of Big Smo and Upchurch, the man that decided to do his own solo thing with an album called Catch Me If You Can, Travis Tidwell. We also have a singer-songwriter who spends his time between New Zealand and Nashville, Tennessee, named Sam Bartels. Really excited and fortunate to have these three artists on the podcast this week as they each talk respectively about their contributions to the music cause. Let's get ready to rock and roll. That's all coming up next. Here we go. First guest this week on the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast is a singer-songwriter who spends his time between New Zealand and Nashville, Tennessee. His name is Sam Bartels. We talked to him about what he's doing to keep himself occupied during the COVID-19 quarantine and his new release single, Blessed and Broken. All right, Sam, first of all, thanks so much for talking to us here on the podcast. Uh, You know, first things first. How are you handling what I guess is the tail end of the COVID crisis? Uh, what are you doing to cope being an artist that's used to, uh, you know, performing out and about? What are you doing to keep your sanity and all that good stuff? <laughs> that's a good question. You know, um, we were in lockdown for quite a few weeks and um, just trying to have a routine with some, uh, you know, working out and a bit of songwriting and, and a bit of family time and just breaking the days up into a bit of a... Um, routine, I think we got into that um, pretty well, you know, after the first two weeks we were all over the place and now we've sort of come out of it um, and I did my first live show on Friday and, um, and it's the actual humans, which was amazing um, uh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean the live streams are good and stuff, but I, I struggle with that, so just the no interaction makes it hard to, to keep yourself in the, in the zone, but um yeah, you know, it's, it's been tough, but um, we're grateful that you know, we're just coming out the other side at the moment anyway. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, so just, just taking it day by day, really. Yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah, like you said, performance in front of live people. Before that, were, were you doing any of the virtual performances like I've seen on social media and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was doing some of those, and I'm, I'm, I've done quite a few for, for the States and stuff since I'm, I'm in New Zealand. and. Um, had a few interviews about the single and done a few live streams and um but, you know I'm not the most technical guy with that stuff um so I'll probably <laughs> get a new microphone and learn a, learn a little bit but I still you know I still haven't got it how I want it but you know it, I'll I'll keep doing it as long as I need to uh, it's been quite good though you being able to do live streams and, and having people commenting and um you know having it there is some interaction there which is quite quite a, a different experience really. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been it's been different, you know, like being a you know a fan of music and and everything, and and not being able to you know go out and do anything or know when you're gonna get to, and then you know having to improvise and you know try to watch online and and try to hit the Venmo and the tip jars and all that good stuff. Try to support as many as you can. It's just <laughs> the world's upside yeah. down right now. Um, you mentioned uh, yeah, you mentioned Auckland, New Zealand, which is awesome. So. Do you spend a lot of time transitioning from Auckland to Nashville and back? And what is what are those experiences like? Are, are you doing that a lot, like coming here to record and, and songwrite and collaborate and then head back home, or, or what's the deal? Or are you living yeah. here as well? Um, I'm I'm living in New Zealand, um, but I um I had the opportunity with with a team of guys here that thought um I'd do well to travel a little bit and um and do some of writing and recording. So I've done two trips to Nashville and um, LA and all around there. Um, uh, so, you know, just to um, uh, to meet some people and, and I sort of made a team um, in Nashville who really are into my sound and stuff. So um, it was, the last trip was scheduled to be like three weeks ago and that was going to be playing for the labels and, and I'm sort of trying to get my, feet on the ground uh, on the ground over there and, and a potential move with the family if it worked out but 
uh, that got cut short, and and then um, I sort of I lost my funding here as well due to the um, pandemic and things. So uh, it's really just a just sort of got to work out what's next, and, and hopefully I can get back at the end of the year to do some shows um, in Nashville. And so you know, um, I don't really know what's going to happen next, but um, I've, I'm still managing to you know I've got a team in Nashville, a great producer, um, uh, Dr. Ford, and. He wants to do the next single, and he doesn't even need me there, so he can, you know, we're going to do it remotely. He's going to record all the music, and I'll, I'll uh, do the vocal and send that over, and we'll, we'll, we'll get another single out in the next uh, month. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Technology is cool. Yeah, technology is amazing. But uh, speaking of singles and everything, uh, the one you've got, Blessed and Broken, is a very deep, meaningful track. Uh, it cuts to the bone. I, Thoroughly enjoyed listening to it and listening to uh, you know the words and everything. Uh, what made you decide to bear so much and, and like one single? What what was uh, the story and the inspiration behind it all? Because uh, it's, it's it's pretty meaningful. It's pretty powerful. Thanks, man. I'm glad you like it. Um, uh, really, it wasn't that hard. A, a lot of my writing after getting um, sober a few years ago. Um, it's just sort of how it's come out. It's sort of been a way to um, uh, sort of reflect, you know, um, just like sharing in a conversation with someone that you're supposed to about experiences that you have, I guess I, I use my music for that, so, um, and, and I just, I just think to myself that this is what the way I was writing now, just, just got to be honest, you know, uh, you know, um, and a few friends that are, um, musicians are like, just tell it how it is, you know, just, just be brutally honest, and, um, and then I, I agreed with that, and, and I just sort of started writing, and, and then once you start, uh, you can't stop, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's, um, yeah, yeah. And um, we're doing a program and um, to do with um, uh, alcohol and, and and living differently. You learn to be pretty honest, and then it just becomes uh, a bit easier than it would have been once upon a time. I guess to talk about stuff. So well, that's been helpful too. So yeah, it's just um, it's it's a, it's a recollection of my last sort of rock bottom. Before I got sober, and then what I was going through, and then um, still having a sense of hope somehow. Yeah, it was just, it was pretty powerful. And then, you know, like being, being a parent, and you're talking about that, that part with your daughter, it just kind of like sends you chills. I was like, man, this is, this is quite a song here. I wonder, uh, had it been a brave guy to, to do all this? And I was kind of interested, interested and uh, what made you decide to do that. But that's, uh, that's awesome that you've, uh, you know, you celebrate recovery and, and they're, you know, on the winning end of that because I hear, you know, uh, things in people's lives when they struggle with addiction and stuff. It's, it's a hard road all the way through. So uh, congratulations to you yeah. being strong enough to uh, seeing it through. So. Yeah, thanks, brother. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of friends and a lot of people um, you know of and don't know of that struggle with addiction and stuff. It's um, so hard, man, and um, you have to concede some light on things and, and help them that way. Well, that that would be amazing, you know, and um, yeah, that that really will just kind of get through, get through it all yeah. together, you know. And, yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah. W- well done, song. Definitely looking forward to the the next one you uh, you drum up. We're looking forward to it. I think uh, I think uh, you're gonna take everything by storm because, uh, like I said, when I was talking to you before we started recording, uh, your vocal style is like uh, it's not like any other I've ever heard. It's it's actually very refreshing. Um, uh, how, who are your influences? How how did you get it to come together? Because it doesn't sound like anything we're exposed to right now, and I think it's uh, something new that everybody's going to really gravitate towards. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I guess uh, years of singing, and then um, I got I think that thing, um, after I got started too, weirdly enough, I started writing again, and um, my voice was like different. I was singing differently. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know how. Sort of, uh, it's more comfortable, and I guess there's artists um, um, from the 90s that I would be um, compared to, and that would probably be part of the era of music for me, like Pearl uh, Jam and, and things like that. So, I guess that, uh, that, that technique or singing style, I guess I sort of um, naturally went to, and, uh, and then I've just developed it from there to what I like the sound of, really. But, um, and and then added some folk ghetto in there, and then that that just all sort of happened naturally, which is which is um which is cool, you know um you know I've been compared to like football now and people like that, but uh, I just a few similar 
rock, you know, um, uh, so I'm a little bit country, a little bit rock, and all, but you know, um, <laughs> yeah, they would call, they would call me like country here in New Zealand, but I, I realised pretty quickly that you know it's, it's not that country compared to um, when I come to the states. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and and one of the beauties of uh, you know uh, Nashville now is like that we've got uh, artists representing you know more genres than just. Uh, country, um, we've got you know rock and roll artists now and yeah. all kinds of things, so it's really blossoming. So uh, you know it'll it'll fit right in, but it's it's, it's unique and different, and, uh, and you know I'm digging it so far. I really really like what you got going on. Cool man, uh, it's great. It's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. All right, my man. Well, uh, for people that are wanting to get to know you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Can you give us uh, some information on your social medias? I know how to find you, but I didn't know if you'd uh, yeah. you know mind sharing it with everybody. Yeah, so it's uh, Sam Bartels, B-A-R-T-E-L-L-S, and I'm on um, Spotify and Apple Music currently on a couple of playlists there and um, uh, Facebook and Instagram and all those crazy places that you can find online. Um, if you Sam Bartels or Sam Bartels Music, and you'll find me in, in um, Western Broken for my latest single, and I've, I've got something a little bit more uh, upbeat and fun coming out shortly. And then, um, yeah, just, just stay... stay um, in touch and then I hope um, you enjoy the music. One of the greatest bands of all time and one of my personal favorites, America's band, The Beach Boys. What a thrill it was this week to get to talk to their guitarist and founding member, David Marks. He's on the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. That interview's coming up next. So, David, first and foremost, hope you and your family are well. Uh, how are you handling uh, quarantine time? Uh, are, are you busy, or what's going on with you? Well, I'm pretty much staying around the house, um, except to go to the store and stuff, and, uh, you know, catching up on some music and um, just sleeping a little bit, you know. Yeah, getting some rest. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Pretty so, much like everybody. Um, yeah, yeah, just same old. Yeah, uh, are you are you doing any of these uh, live concerts like you see people doing all over on social media and everything? I did uh, benefit, yeah, um, for uh, COVID nineteen people. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Of you. yeah, raising money, you know. Yeah, you got any other musical projects you're working on as well? Oh, just my personal, like, you know, recording and going out with uh, a group called the Surf City All-Stars, uh, hiring me to go out with them occasionally um, during the year. And uh, we do Beach Boys music. And um, so I work occasionally for, uh, you know, parties and uh, fairs and that kind of thing. Yeah, I hear you. Staying active with that. Well, speaking of the Beach Boys, uh, are you guys in talks to do a 60-year reunion? Because it's coming up here pretty soon. Um, I don't know. That will be interesting to find out. Um, we'll see what the guys have in mind. Uh, you never can tell. We'll see how Brian feels. And um, I think I know Mike probably wants to do it. Um so that's a that's just a little tad down the road. We'll have to wait and see, find out what happens. Yeah, you're right. It was just a couple of, couple of years. I think uh, twenty is it uh, twenty twenty two? I would say I think that's right. Um, really, yeah. So really, yeah. keep your fingers crossed, and uh, maybe the organization will find it. You know, find its way to uh, put a shot on tour again. Yep, uh, I certainly it's, hope uh, so. If there's no deadly deadly disease out there that you know to get us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Plus, it'd be hard to perform with you know those masks on and everything. But uh, <laughs> uh, definitely look forward to it because uh, the last two times Brian has attempted to come to Nashville where I live, he's had to cancel both times. Uh, I've seen Mike and Bruce, but I'd like to see all you guys together. Hopefully, one day. <laughs> so how's is that that's where Big T's barbecue, isn't it? We're, that's Nashville. Yeah, we got that, and then Hattie B's uh, hot chicken seems to be the new 
steak. Well, everybody's really digging the Nashville hot chicken. That's uh, that's a pretty popular item now. Yeah, I'm thinking of taking a trip to Nashville just for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, I'd be glad to take you. Dinner's on me. Just to just to spend a little bit of time with you. Do you, yeah, you have, yeah, have you spent a lot of time in Nashville, being the uh, guitar slinger that you are? You know, we just passed through. I never had a chance to spend any quality time there. Just, you know, we passed through and that's it. It was pretty much the same way we do everywhere, you know. Um, I have to wait until my my time off before I can go out and uh, do pleasure trips. But uh, I've been meaning to spend a little more time there. Yeah, we'd like to have you. Not not too many many beaches in Nashville. (laughs) No, but there's a heck of a lot of good music. Yeah. We, we definitely have a lot, and you know, I've been, you know, even being a Middle Tennessee guy myself, uh, I've celebrated your music for years, and it's a, it's really a pleasure to get to talk to you. Uh, you know, being, uh, you know, one of the founding fathers of the Beach Boys, and I was going to ask you a question because it's always been on my mind since I've got you here with me. But it seems like uh, the first cut, the first album, what was surfing, what had more like a folk sound to it, and then when you got together with Carl. It seems like your sound changed the whole trajectory of the Beach Boys. Like, um, how, how did you guys get together and say, "Hey, let's just let's just turn this up a little bit and actually turn it into pure rock and roll"? Versus like that folk sound kind of disappeared once you started collaborating with them. Yeah, it, it wasn't really uh, intentional. It was just a course of events that took place. Um, I was hanging out with a guy down the road named John Moss. And him and his sister had a record out on the radio locally in L.A., and they were doing gigs. And my mom was friends with his mom. So uh, he he was hanging out with Richie Valens, and he was showing me the stuff he was learning from Richie. Wow. And um, my my mom made his mom show me some stuff on the guitar, and uh, and I bought his electric guitar when he got his new Stratocaster. And he turned out to be... The Walker Brothers, that they were really big in England. Um, they got airplay here too quite a bit. It, it had sort of like a little bit of a hint of the the Righteous Brothers sound to their stuff. But they were huge in England. Um, I remember talking to Jeff Beck. He bought Johnny's guitar um, that he used in the Walker Brothers, and that was you know a little uh, trip down Nostalgia Road there. Um, mm-hmm. They were they were tight, I guess. But yeah, um, so I I brought back uh, what I was getting from John to Carl because you're right that first record surfing was a little bit um, uh, how do we say it was like thin. Carl was playing in a, uh, a big like hollow body electric guitar, but it wasn't plugged in. He played it you know just without plugging it in, like just stuck a mic down to it. But um, Al Jardine was. Uh, on surf and he played the upright standard bass like they do in the symphony you know like all the folk groups had the, the bass fiddle you know yeah and um it did sound really funky uh al really wanted to be like in a group that was similar to the kingston trio he loved the kingston trio everybody loved the kingston trio it was a yeah. great group and uh, so that's the road that Al wanted to pursue. But Brian really liked the electric guitar sound that Carl and I were, you know, um, cooking up. We were we were learning all the rock and roll songs and blues songs and stuff. And uh, so Brian recruited us to uh, play on some of the stuff he was writing. And um, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, it's just. Um... You know, b- being a Beach Boy fan, uh, you know, my fondest memories is all you guys' music. But um, once I got old enough to where I could really appreciate it and study it, it seemed, seemed like uh, they wouldn't be where they were at if you hadn't have been in the, in the middle of it collaborating. Because, you know, it, it, it's they're all great songs. But once, you know, you, you hear, you know, everything that you put together with them, it just, uh, the trajectory just skyrocketed. It was just up-tempo. It was feeling good and it just sounds like something everybody would want to party to even still to this day you know i'm 37 and my kids love it i love it it's just i have never met a person that does not love a good beach boy song so you know thank you for all your all your efforts they were very much appreciated 
Oh, you're really welcome. I'm I'm glad to hear that. You know, um, people are enjoying that till the till this day. Um, it's amazing how multi generational that music is. And um, and it, like yeah, um, it was lucky we got that get that garage band grungy sound uh, to go together with Brian's beautiful vocal arrangements. You know, with jazz chords and stuff. It was sort of a contrast, like. I don't know, trains colliding or something, but no one had ever heard anything like quite like that. And, but, you know, it was different. And so people loved it. And uh, like I say, the rest is history. You know, Brian developed into one of the world's best composers, if you ask me, you know? Yeah. That, that's a, that's another thing. I mean, recording with that guy and like, you were just a kid. How old were you when you guys were doing all this recording? 13. Um, wow. And 13. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a it was quite an education for me hanging around Brian and doing all that recording and everything. Um so I was lucky enough to get quite a musical education from actually the whole family. Uh I believe it's uh, each one and every one of them had their own genius that they, you know, gave us musical genius. Uh, uh Carl turned into one of the world's best singers and I mean Audrey their mom taught us all how to play blues piano and their dad Murray he he was a, a songwriter and he played the organ the Hammond B3 organ and they had Sunday get together sing-alongs and I went to those and hung around and watched Brian do arrangements on the piano so yeah it was quite a musical education for me to lucky to grow up uh, next to the Wilsons you know yeah that's amazing just uh but you guys, you each brought something to the table. Um, I read in Brian's book, which is, I've been trying to get a hold of your book. It's it's quite a collector's item on Amazon, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, I had no idea that you could even get it anymore, but um, yeah, that, hang that's, in there. You know, maybe, we maybe someday, hopefully, we'll get a re, uh, reissue of that, uh, second edition. I mean, a lot has happened since that book was written. There's like at least another one or two chapters to add. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because I was I was looking at it and and, and you know I was trying to find it, but um, like I said, I, I that's what I was wondering. It must be just the first print because everybody's got it. Um, you know, this the the price is is, is quite steep. So I was thinking, will they be a revamp, or do I just need to go ahead and buy this? Because as a person that loves you know your your style of music, uh, I can't wait to dive into it. Um, I, I read uh, uh, Brian's book, and you know you're talking about his dad and everything, but. Yeah, he said that he was a composer, and I'm assuming he said something like his dad had a couple of songs on Lawrence Welk. I believe that's correct. Um, I don't really yeah. remember. But yeah, he did. Um, he he yeah, was sorry. friends with Lawrence Welk, yeah. He he knew pretty much about the music industry and the recording industry and um, made a few contacts uh, with uh, the people um, at the Lawrence Welk show. And um, so that was quite a an in for him when he got ready to shop the Beach Boys music around town, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, I was reading on your, uh, on your history and your, in your Wikipedia, uh, he was the big reason that, um, you, uh, went on the Beach Boy hiatus there at the beginning. Was that man really as rotten as everybody portrays him to be? Uh, what do you mean? In what way? Like, you know, uh, watching the Brian Wilson movie, he said, you know, he, he used to just, he was very violent with him. And then it said on and you, in your Wikipedia that the reason you had left the group was because you got into an argument with him. It just seems like he was not a very friendly human being. Well, um, from what I know of Murray, he was almost like a second father to me. He taught me about stuff about music and business, although I was too young to actually apply any of the business stuff. I just wanted to have fun and party. But um, as far as I could see, I didn't actually live in their house, although I was there constantly because I was an only child and they were like my brothers. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I saw Murray and Dennis pushing each other in the garage, in their garage one day, and it, which was facing our garage right directly across the street. Yeah. So my father, who was built like a truck, ran over there and broke him up and said, no, boys, you know, cut it out. And that's the only hint of violence that I actually witnessed with my eyes. Uh-huh. Um, 
and I was there in their house constantly, um, and I never witnessed any violence in the house when I was in the house, only music. And I, I remember how Brian used to make jokes about his dad, and I remember uh, when we started recording a lot, Brian and his dad would argue, you know, intensely about the, uh, the recording. Of, uh, bottom line, Murray wanted to be a producer, right? Uh-huh. So he got he wanted to have his hand in producing the record. And Brian, that was his baby. Brian had a vision and didn't want anybody interfering with it. So they they came to odds uh, in the studio like that. Um, and there might have been some business things too. But like I said, I, I didn't really witness any of that. And and that was kind of the style of parenting back in that neighborhood in the sixties yeah. and sixties. My dad was a dick too. I mean. That was every dad in the neighborhood was kicking our ass. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's how it was. Yeah. Well, I just but, you know, um, I, I didn't visually uh, witness anything like that. I believe that that might be just pushed out of proportion slightly. Yeah. And by the way, on, on that that movie was you know it had great people and great actors and everything, but uh, I I question I I never saw it really, but I I still question how accurate it might not yet. I don't think it was very accurate. To, yeah. Talking to people like um, Brian's first wife Marilyn and her husband Daniel, they saw it and they they didn't appreciate it much. So, but yeah, I you know show business. Yeah, you, they had to make it entertaining, of course. Yeah, that you know, it, it seems yeah, like you said, um, you know, it's Hollywood, so it's, it's very embellished. But you know, I just the only reason I asked is because I saw where it mentioned in Wikipedia. You know, there was an argument that broke out, and you know, you never really know. And then, um, you know, the Beach Boys being on the caliber they were, and then, um, you know, thinking about the Jacksons and the Jackson Five, it seems like the bands that produced the best music had a dad that just kind of steamrolled everything and i don't know what made me think about that but um on to another another question you know well, before you go on i just to wrap it up about murray uh, without him there would be no beach boys because yeah. he he broke his ass out there pounding the streets every record company in town literally turned us down until he i don't know i don't know how he got nick benet at capital to sign us, but he did, and uh, without him, there would be. I don't. I believe there wouldn't be. There, there might be a Brian, but I don't think there'd be a Beach Boys. Yeah, I got you. Well, that, yeah, and that's you know I've seen and read that too that he did. He 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 went out and, and shook the hands and did uh you know like A and R and like uh, marketing and everything kind of like pioneered it, cornered it really. You know back when the you know hardly anybody was doing the kind of stuff like you said he was doing making things happen so you know kudos to him because if it wasn't you know we wouldn't have all this wonderful music but yeah, um, I guess a few people might have gotten hurt along the way uh, he did tend to steamroll as you put it and um, but his only sin I think was just he, he wanted to do right for his sons and um, but yeah I mean he wasn't a saint that's kind of an ugly business out there you know the music business but um, that's the you as a as a person that you know you know podcasting about it because I love it so much as you know being a drummer myself and I, I've seen every aspect of it and like you said it's it's definitely a it's a cutthroat industry it surely is what um oh, what was I was gonna ask you yeah um so so Brian was as uh, brilliant as everybody says he was as far as going into the studio and recording because I saw a thing where you were talking about you know celebrating pet sounds and everybody just says that. He was a genius when it came to like uh, producing and recording in the studio. Yeah, Brian's genius came with his ability to act on his inspiration, no matter what time of day. I remember, you know, being in the studio at three in the morning when I had to go to school the next day. But he he dragged us in there to. I mean, he could immediately manifest his ideas to physicalness. He heard something in his head, and he was able to reproduce it materialistically, so to speak, you know, in the studio. And he, he knew how to get the sounds he wanted in the in the recording studio. Um, he knew how to get us to play what he wanted uh, because we, we played all our instruments on the first five or six albums, um, 
right when I left the band permanently is when he decided to use the studio, the musicians, uh, the union guys, uh, the wrecking crew people uh, um, to do all that classical oriented music that he was doing for Pet Sounds. And um, so, yeah, his uh, his ability to produce records and to reproduce what he heard in his head was was pretty good. I mean, everybody has ideas. Oh, I think I'll do that tomorrow. But then you forget by the time tomorrow rolls around. Brian did it right now. And that's that's how he produced so much good stuff. Yeah, that's that's awesome. What um, And speaking of, you know, music and production, it seems like I was looking at, you know, some of your social media. They they put a lot of your music in, um, in television and movies. Uh, is that premeditated or is that just something that just kind of happens? Well, that's just something that kind of happened because the music that I did in the sixties with my own band for A and M records and Warner brothers records, uh, uh-huh. we were called the marksman. And, yeah. um, we recorded a bunch of stuff, uh, with Russ Regan, who was the guy who gave the beach boys their name. He was an independent record producer, uh, uh like uh, not producer. I mean, um, he was a promotion man. He would get our records played in the radio stations and stuff. And, um, so he liked my little band. And he got us signed to A&M. Uh, we were actually the first ones that Herb Albert and Jerry Moss signed, other than the Tijuana Brass. Wow. Um, we weren't real successful, but we had fun. We did a few tours around California, and we recorded some stuff. And um, so nowadays, when they want to put a song in a movie or a TV show, they're looking to do time period music where they don't have to pay licensing so <clears throat> I had a little instrumental that I did when I was 15 years old. It sounded like Dick Dale. So they used it so they wouldn't have to pay Dick Dale <laughs> licensing, <laughs> licensing fee to Mr. Lou, you know, because I yeah. was doing the same kind of double picking thing. Um, and so he, I sent him my whole catalog, and he's placed quite a few of my songs in different movies like that uh, Ford versus Ferrari with uh, Matt Damon and Christian Bale and yeah. a couple of other movies and some TV shows, um, that one Sheldon, Young Sheldon and Grey's Anatomy and a couple of cable um, productions that are made only for like Hulu or Netflix that used my music and a couple of their productions, um, TV series type things. And, uh, I mean, I can't think of them all right now, but yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool that, uh, his name's David DeMarco and he placed my songs with a bunch of different people. And, uh, I'm very, you know, grateful for that. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. To keep it, keep it going. That's, that's still, that's really, really cool. Yeah. I kept looking down and I was like Ford versus Ferrari. That's, that's awesome. That's, that was a great. That was a great movie. Like I thought, it got a snubbed at the Oscars, but I mean, it was worth at least two or three of them that it was contending for. Well, it was that's the best. Like as far as race car movies go, you know, I'd rather see something like that than um, you know those uh, Vin Diesel ones. Although he's you know, the <laughs> he's very talented, but those are like cartoons rather than real kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, and they're on pace to do 20 of them. Every time you turn around, they're making another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, well uh, give the people what they want, I guess. This podcast guest has more talent than you can shake a stick at. I got to see him perform. He must have been about 14 or 15 years old. Guitar prodigy. Uh, fantastic then. Uh, grown up man. Fantastic now. Uh, he's played with the likes of Big Smo and Upchurch, finally embarking on his first ever solo project. I'm talking about guitar great Travis Tidwell with his first contribution called Catch Me If You Can. It's coming out real soon. But in the meantime, we're going to discuss that and much more right here on the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. But let's talk about all this this new solo stuff and and uh, how, how it came to be and what made you decide to to uh, strike that iron right now in your career, my friend. All right, man. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, I got the gig with Smo when I was like 19, and um, I never, ever, ever thought I'd be singing or anything like that back in those days. And, you know, I was totally cool back then with the hired gun thing, and I really am not sure – 
what exactly happened. I think if I had to be honest, man, I just got to a point where I wasn't listening to new music. I was just kept going back to my old school listening playlists. And, uh, you know, I just, music hadn't, there's a lot of great stuff out there. Don't get me wrong. And I just, for me, I'm just an old school cat and I've always listened to old school music. And I don't know, man, something happened along the way where I just wasn't getting off on the hired gun thing anymore personally. And I respect those guys and I respect, you know, the, the artists that give those guys the gigs too. And, uh, I don't know, man, it just, I guess uh, my manager and my dad really just started getting me into the singing thing. They heard a couple of demos of some songs I was writing, and I was quite honestly just getting burnt out. I just um, I just didn't feel respected in the manner that I wanted to get that respect in the music game. And uh, I decided that I was just going to take these songs I wrote and give it a shot, man. And uh, honestly, man, it, it feels really good, and uh, I've – I'm I'm going to give it a shot, I guess, you know, and it's just really it's, it, the music I'm writing and playing now is just more of what I want to be playing personally. And, you know, I've, and I've definitely contributed to the country rap stuff on the guitar, you know, back in the day. And I'm very proud of that, but this is just more of the lane I want to go in direction wise. Yeah, that that's exactly what I thought you were going to say, because I remember seeing you, you know, younger, you know, as a young, young man and, you were mm-hmm. holding your own. You were holding your own with a seasoned adult playing. You know the like you said, cutting your teeth on the traditional rock and and everything that laid the foundation. And it, it's good to see you come for full circle because this this sounds like you know something that would rival like a good uh, Almond Brothers reunion or Leonard Skinner or something like that. <laughs> Very excited yeah. for it. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely, man. Anybody who's a fan of those guys you just mentioned, Almond Brothers or Skinner and even if you're like uh, some of the, the Chris Stapleton stuff, and if you, even yeah. if you like Ray Charles and Motown, man, I think everybody has a place on this album track-wise. They'll love it. And yeah. um, it's going to be great, man. It really is. Yeah, and uh, just looking forward to it, man. It's it's very exciting. It's such a, such a new thing for me. Yeah, it's got it's got to be fun because, you know, I, I know you hone your skills as a guitar player, but – it's exciting to know you can do the you know the whole singer thing too, and there's a lot of guitars that that have done that through the years. You know, oh, Brad Paisley's Pace is one that come to mind. Keith Urban, yes. you know, not just that, but you know, even Chris Stapleton. But you know, you're gonna you're gonna join their ranks because, like I said, you got a great singing voice, which is oh, it's good to be a double edged sword. Because like myself, I can play drums, but I couldn't carry a tune in a thick bucket. So, <laughs> oh no, oh man, well I appreciate it, man. I, I mean, well, I guess we'll just see, man. But uh. It's, uh, you know, like I said, man, the singing thing, I'll be honest with you, Josh, like singing is like three years old for me. And yeah. uh, it's it's just one of those things where I told, you know, it. I reached out to my now manager, Dave Fowler, man. I met him when I was 16, man. And it just grew into what it what it is now, man. It's it's really amazing. That's another story. Um, yeah. But uh, I sent him some demos of some songs. I'm like, man, do you think these are any good? I really want to start writing my dad, man, who I'm grateful enough to still have and or blessed enough and, and very grateful to have around still man he's a co-writer on this record with me man and he is an incredible phenomenal songwriter man singer songwriter and we uh I, I like to think hopefully i got a little you know nick uh <laughs> for, of that from him and so he's on this record and we're writing up a storm man and we're really proud of what we got and uh it's just it's new. I think it's refreshing. And Dave, you know, when I sent him these demos, he he was like, "Is that you singing them?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, man, that's me singing them." I forgive that part, you know, because I I'm much more confident as a guitar player, and that is me not, you know, I'm totally being honest there. And and he was just like, "Man, I think you need to sing more." I'm like, man, my dad's been saying that, and I've sang a couple songs in my dad's band, and uh, he's just like, "Let's do this." And I'm just like, "Are you sure you think so?" He's like, "Man, I think you got something here," and I really think the songs are cool. And so here we are, man. And I'm giving it a shot, and it's very new, man. And and, and you know, Josh, I I've been a hired gun my whole musical uh, life, pretty much career wise, and it's just an a it's a crazy transition. It's a weird experience going through the transition from hired gun to like the guy, you know, that everybody's looking at, I guess, potentially now. So, and, uh, 
it's just been a crazy experience, and we just wrapped up filming a music video, and that that's really kind of made that come to light that it's just such a crazy transition. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. That was going to be another question. Uh, ha, ha, what was the music video experience like, especially with uh, what we're expected out of us to do social distancing and everything? Or what, what was that experience like? <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, man. You know, we had to we had to take our precautions, and you know, those guys who work for the companies that they work for and stuff. They all had, you know, they all had the mass and the the distance. And like, I personally, I told, I just wrote this in an Instagram comment earlier in a post, because uh, um, someone's like, I'm jealous I didn't get to see you film the music video or anything like that. And I said, well, you know, it's actually crazy. I didn't get to see, I got to see zero playbacks, Josh. I didn't get to see anything <laughs> that I shot because of social distancing in yeah. the whole nine yards, and I couldn't wear a mask in the video, obviously. So. I could not come near anybody, so I yeah. promise this is not a lie. I've not seen any playbacks of any scenes I shot. I just I just did the thing, you know, and then they're like, cool, next next scene, next scene, and that was it, and they said I got to wait for the final product, so that's cool, man. It's, that's kind of cool, too, and it's like it's like waiting on Christmas as a kid, you know, so, uh, yeah. but it was definitely different than what we're used to in the music business thing, and, and for me personally, just like I said, being the upfront the front man guy, it's just a whole different thing. I've never had to play that role in a music video, and I've been in a bunch of music videos, but never as that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, the lead guitarist. But yeah, and then and especially, right. like you said, right out of the gate on your first video, uh, completely trusting and relying on the production team that's putting it together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's, uh, man, but, you know, we got Mika Borum and her dad Ben Borum and their crew, I think Penny Productions, and, uh, man, they, they – they were great, dude. They were so cool, and, you know, they really made the social distancing thing not seem like not even a thing. They handled everything so well, and they were just on top of everything. And let me tell you, man, I can't speak highly enough about Mika and the crew because, dude, they spent weeks planning this stuff. And I'm telling you, man, Mika, her dad, he's he's an older guy, man, but he's, an, he's a great guy, and he is in incredible shape. And this guy went out with a chainsaw and cleared places out. We trekked in the woods and the mud <laughs> to get to these scenes. And I'm telling you, man, we worked very hard and diligently for this music video. And it's, you know, these cats are, you know, they're, they're you know, Mika, I'm not sure if you're familiar. She was like Mel Gibson's daughter in The Patriot. She was in uh, Hearts in Atlantis with Anthony Hopkins. She has some serious credentials on her resume, man. And she yeah. They told me that their goal was to make this the coolest and most memorable video in the last 20 years. It's going to be very cinematic, man. It's going to be very epic looking, and I cannot wait, man. I just can't wait. Yeah, yeah they busted their butts. Yeah, I'm excited too because, like I said, this this little teaser and it's exactly what it is. This catch me if you can. I mean, even though it's just a few, you know, a couple of seconds, it, you, you hear all that jam packing that Hammond uh, organ, and mm -hmm. like, oh man, we, you know, we're just looking forward to it now. Is the title of the album Catch Me If You Can, or is that just what you've released so far as that little segment of, of song? Yes, sir. The album is Catch Me If You Can, along with the first single coming out, and that is the music video we just shot for. Heck, yeah. And now, um, uh, do you have a release date for this this album, or, or is that kind of up in there as well? You know, to be honest, we're just – that part is kind of always the hardest part when you're 99% done with the process – because we're in the final mixing and mastering stages and uh you know we're getting the we just shot the video we're doing a photo shoot you know a week from yesterday with mr adrian Payne. he is oh my gosh man an incredible photographer and we're gonna do that uh and we're just in that process right now and then we're going to press and after mastering and uh the I don't have an actual date. I just know that we're shooting for the first or second week of June as soon as possible, you know, because this virus has got everybody eager for something new and everybody's bored, you know. And yeah. um, I don't have a date, but, man, as soon as I get that, I'm going to blast it. I'm going to vomit on social media that date <laughs> so much that people are going to be tired of it. It's going to be etched in their brain, I hope. Yeah. I don't think so much they'll be tired of just just excited for the music because it's right up my alley. And I'm actually looking online right now, uh, talking about your music video. You look like Ronnie Van Zant there in the background. You could be like you could play him in the biopic movie, man. You're his twin for sure. Oh, thanks, man. You know when I first started wearing the top hat, 
a lot of people say Slash, but obviously, you know, he has the dark hair and I'm the blonde guy. But yeah. most of the time, man, everybody said Ronnie Van Zandt. And you know what, dude? I was raised on Skinner, and I will take that. I love Ronnie Van Zandt, man. He was he was too good for planet Earth for too long, you know, obviously. Lord that's called it. him home, man. That's right. That's yeah, right. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not a bad uh, that's not a bad person to to favor if you're gonna look no. at somebody. Yeah, yeah. man. Um, well, um, let me ask you this: You were talking about you know writing songs with your dad, which is an awesome thing to have that much talent in one family. But did you write all the tunes that you're gonna record for this album? Or is it all is your penmanship? Okay, so yeah, man, uh, not not exactly, you know. Uh, and you know, one thing I I love to do is give credit, man, and. Um, so I got the song, the album is seven songs, uh-huh. short album, long EP, whatever you want to call it. And yeah. um, uh, let's see, five of the songs are are penmanshiped by me or me and my dad. And then one song, I'll, uh, my dad actually wrote, dude. It's a song my dad completely wrote by himself when, dude, when I was like eight or nine. Such a killer song. Decided to cut it. And then there's another song on there. That my dad, his old guitar player, who's no longer with us, man, he passed away, you know, several, several years ago. Well, uh, he, it's just an amazing song called "What About Us," and we got permission from his widow and got everything done upright and uh, got permission to cut it. And uh, man, it's a wonderful song. I'm so grateful we got to cut it because it's just, if if we had not got to cut this song, man, nobody would have ever heard it. Cause this guy's long gone, and it's just you know in the in the vault pretty much, just collecting dust. And it's far too good a song, and I think everybody will understand why I cut it. So, yeah. um, so th- those two, you know, I can't claim any credit on, you know. But the other five, uh, you know, there's one that is written just by me called Pure Insanity, and man, I'm so excited for people to check this song out, man. It's wow, man. Cool. It's I'm very excited, man. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, you got me excited about that other song as well because it must be a dandy of a song if if you thought about it after all these years and it's been stored away. Man, I, yes, because you know my dad. You know, I, I like to tell the story. I, I had my fourth, fifth, and sixth birthdays in a honky tonk watching my dad's band play. That's just how <laughs> I grew up. And man, those were the days where he was playing guitar for my dad, the guy that wrote that song, and. They did that song, man. I can remember my dad doing this song for well over 20 years, and I finally decided to try to, you know, I decided to put it on the album. And yeah, yeah, man, it's it's definitely worth looking forward to. I believe so, man. It's yeah. an incredible song. Yeah, it's like a fine wine, and you're about to expose it to the world. That man, that's a groovy story. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Well, let me yeah, ask man. you this: um, when it, when it's time to tour, are you going to do a thing like um, like Dire Straits, where you're the lead man guitar and vocals, and have a rhythm with you? Or are you just going to be the only guitarist in your group? Man, let me tell you, this is the plan. The so the team on the band, you know, the band on the record, you know, I want to shout them out. I got my manager Dave Fowler playing bass. Got Mr. Dane Bryant, who is a I, oh my goodness, man, he plays playing all the Hammond B3 and the keys and the piano on the album. He he was a He's Clint Black and Olivia Newton-John's like full career pianist, pretty much. He is a master of his instrument, along with everybody I'm about to name. And we got Kent Wells from Dolly Parton on rhythm guitar wow. on my album. He did a little solo in one of my tunes too. It's 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 going to be great. And hopefully we can get him on the road. Is the plan too? And I I would love a rhythm player, man. I would love one. I would love one that can even play a little lead like Kent. And yeah. then we got on drums, Mr. Jack Gavin. He played with the Charlie Daniels band for like 15 or more years. He, he's wow. got some credentials there. Yeah. And uh, two backup singers, females. We're still going to find those, but the ones on the album and the teaser that you hear in Catch Me If You Can, those girls that kind of give it that Skinner vibe, that would, uh, that uh, man, Cindy Shelton and Annette Bohannon. They are actually Rick Springfield's backup singers, so I like to call them Jesse's girls. We got Jesse's girls on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, that definitely. You can tell it's well put together. So, but yeah, I oh, figured, I figured you, you had you an all-star group. Well, um, last question, and, and I appreciate you talking with me. And uh, you know, yeah. all of it. Uh, are, are you what? You're endorsed by this this new guitar group. I'm not really familiar with them. I, I guess it was it Modman. What do you call it? Yeah, Modman. So, dude. The the cool thing about Modman is Roger Duggar, he's the brain behind Modman Guitar, man. 
we uh we designed this guitar and built it and i tell you man this is my baby and i it's it it's it comes everywhere with me and roger actually was the frontman guitar player in my uncle on my mom's side band christian rock band called covered and uh-huh. uh dude he builds guitars and sets them up and he does it for the pros a lot too and really he's worked on my dad's guitars my whole life and then that's how i got to know him and then he just it just happened to fall together like that, man. And my guitar is Modman, uh, the uh, Modman Customs number zero zero one, dude. And I proudly rock that thing everywhere. And I think everybody should check him out who's a guitar player. And even if you're a bass player, check him out. He's got yeah. it all. Yeah, it's a beautiful guitar. And I, and I saw, you know, some of your uh, press photos, and I and I'd never seen that name before. I was just curious, and it must have been a good one for you to play because you know I've seen you play. You were, you're, you're like a you're Gibson guy, right? Aren't you? Well, man, I'm personally a Strat guy, but yeah, I love the Gibson Les Paul. You know, Ryan bought me. It's so nice, man. It's, uh-huh. it's great, and it's you, it's got that Les Paul tone, man. You know, uh, but personally, I'm a Strat guy uh, uh-huh. for the versatility. But yes, man, that Modman guitar is my number one baby. I hear you. And that wraps up this episode of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Special thanks to my guests, Beach Boy, David Marks, Travis Tidwell, and Sam Bartels. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me on the podcast. I really enjoy speaking to each and every one of you. And I would like to say thank you to you, all the listeners, because it wouldn't be possible without you. I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I enjoy this little podcast, and I appreciate you keeping on listening, because without you, there's no point in doing it. If you know anybody you think would be a great guest, have them hit me up, joshbelcher at hotmail.com. Now, I really wholeheartedly wish you have a great week this week. And remember, I love you for you and where you're at in life. All right, we'll catch you next week. We finally made it one year. Next year marks our one-year anniversary episode. So look forward to seeing you down the line next week. Peace, blessings, and uh, may happiness be with you. All right, Josh Belcher of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast, over and out. Till next time.